I entitled this message this morning, Be Prepared. That reminds me of the Lion King song. (laughs) Be Prepared. How many of you came expecting uh, to, to, or you came prepared, amen, to hear someone preach this morning? Amen? You came prepared. But let me ask this question. How many of you came prepared to listen? Ooh. All right, that was a little less. It's a little less. We gotta, we gotta work on that. All right. So every so often, I'm gonna yell just to make sure that you're up. Hopefully, you came prepared to listen. And even more, even more than hearing, the Bible says that the ones who are blessed are the what? Are the doers. Amen. How many doers do we have in this place this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And if you need a little help to be a doer of the Word of God, God's going to help you. All you have to do is ask. That's awesome. All you have to do is ask, God, help me to be a doer. Boom, he's going to help you. He's going to help you. He's not going to say, no, you know what? You're on your own. It's all you. No, God is so faithful. He's faithful, and he loves us, and he wants to see us blessed. He wants, to, he wants to see our lives being obedient to him. He wants that. And we know that God blesses obedience, amen? Don't we, don't we know that? We as parents, we, we bless, we reward obedience, amen, with our children. We do this. I hope you do. If your, children, if your child listens to you, you reward your child. And guess what? He or she is going to do it again, Amen? If you want to change their way, start rewarding obedience. You're going to see how that changes. Amen. This is what God does. The Bible says that it's the quality of the soil that brings growth. I mean, no, that's true. It's the quality of the soil. God, God urges you to be prepared for his word, that, your word would, that his word would take root into our lives and that it would be cultivated, and that it would be watered so that we can see growth. Because how many know God's word brings life? We're going to see that in our lives. We're going to see it as it produces, our lives produces fruit. The, def- the definition of the word prepare says to make ready for use. I remember coming back from Northern California with my wife, and um, on the way back, we decided to get some food, and... I won't mention the name of the place, but um, sitting down, I, I saw something on the menu that I, I, I thought would be really, really good because I've had it before, not at this establishment, but, in, but at, at other places. And so I ordered chicken and waffles. Now, as a teenager, I loved going after church to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. That was, that was the spot on a Sunday afternoon. And I remember, you know, off of, off of Manchester over there, the 110, and I remember um, going there and, and, and ordering their chicken and waffles, and man, I wanted more. I was hooked. I was hooked. And they had it smothered in gravy, and I was just like, oh, man, I want to take this home with me. I'm taking the cook home with me. And so I ordered it at this restaurant, and I get my food, and it's uh, a few, you know, it's a couple of waffles and uh, a few chicken strips. Um, Already then, I'm like, oh, man, chicken strips, come on. Where's the real chicken at? And so I cut into the strip, cut into the waffle, 
eat it at the same time as you should. And I'm chewing it, I'm chewing it, and I look down to my plate. Little did I know that the chicken piece was raw. And, you know, obviously it's a, it's a frozen piece of chicken. You know, we all know that. They just throw it in the deep fryer. But it wasn't cooked all the way. And it was all, like, it, it had, like, this, this round, you know, redness in there. Like, where you know it was, it's still, you know, still, ah, it wasn't ready. And so I stopped chewing. And I, I immediately spit my food out onto the plate. I mean, know that that chicken wasn't ready to be eaten. It wasn't, it wasn't prepared properly. How many know that? You know, there's not much that has to be done. Just throw the chicken in the deep fryer, put it on the timer, and when it's done, you pull it out and, you, and it's ready to eat. But this is what happens when the proper preparation isn't done. And I think of my own life. I think of me as an individual, because how many know that God requires to take self-inventory, amen? He says, don't focus on everyone else's little thorns when you got a giant two-by-four sticking out of your eye. That's what he says. So we got to take self-inventory. And so, and, so, and so I do this self-evaluation, and I ask myself, how am I preparing for the coming of the Lord? What am I doing, me, Daniel, what am I doing to prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ? And you know, you, if you, hopefully you answer honestly, you can now begin to, you, be, you can now begin to, to, to grow, you can begin to heal, you can begin to change things in your life, if you answer honestly. See, God desires for us to be prepared. A teacher asked the children in her Sunday school class, she asked this question to them. She says, if I sold my house and my car, had a big garage sale, and gave all my money to the church, would I get into heaven? No, the children all answered. She says, okay. If I cleaned the church every day, mowed the yard, and kept everything neat and tidy. Would I then get into heaven? Again, the answer was no. Well, the teacher continued, then how can I get to heaven? In the back of the room, a five-year-old boy shouted out, you got to be dead. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the truth. I'm telling you, from the mouth of a child, <laughs> it's, how you like, it's how you like it is. See, the point I'm making here is that each and every one of us, if Christ doesn't come back before, all have an appointment with death. I don't want to be the grim reaper this morning, but face it, it's coming. And as I mentioned, if Christ doesn't come back first, the Bible says that after death, as Paul writes in Hebrews 9.27, he says that it is appointed 
at one point in time in life that every man is going to die. We're all going to die. He says, but after is the more important appointment, and that is with God. Each and every one of us is going to have to bow before God and give an account for our time that He has made us managers over in our life. What did you do with my son? And we all have to give an account. And it's going to happen. And believe me, you need to be prepared. And so I ask the question, what are you doing to prepare yourself for this appointment? I think of, you know, doctor's appointments. You know, how many of people have made appointments with doctors and maybe it's your annual physical and you start working out a week before your appointment? <laughs> you start eating differently. <laughs> Thinking that they, they, they'll, have, they'll have no clue as to what you've been doing for the past, you know, 358 days out of the year. Most of us are preparing for something called a retirement, right? Maybe some of you are retired already. Thank God, amen. You prepared and, and, and now is the time to, to reap, amen, those, those benefits. But most of us are still, are still preparing for that time of the endless vacation, right? Where every day is a Saturday. Every night is a Friday night. <laughs> that sounds good, huh? Like the promised land. <laughs> but we're preparing for that. And we prepare for that, which is, which is something on earth. But we know that we're not going to live forever here on earth. Is that right? Can we all come to that agreement? All right. If you found the fountain of youth, share it. <laughs> I know some of you, you know, haven't aged in 20 years. You look the exact same. Thank God, amen, he preserves. <laughs> For the rest of us. <laughs> but you're preparing, you're putting money aside, and you're doing this, why? In the hope of that, you know, come 20 years from now, and let me tell you, if the next 10, 20 years are anything like the last 10 or 20 years, it's going to go by before you even know it. But we're preparing and we're saying, you know what, there's going to come a point in time when I can quit my job and just have money coming in. I can, I can, you know, stay home. I can watch my grandkids. You know, I can do all these things. I can go on vacations. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I can do all these things and start to enjoy life. Maybe some think that. Maybe some hopefully already enjoying it right now. But we plan. But we plan for things that are here on earth. How many of us are planning for our eternal future? Something that's going to last forever. 
Something that you know is going to have a return. See, because the Bible says that when you put your trust in things of the world, you will be hurt. You will be disappointed. Because you're saying, oh, I have, I have this invested and I've done that, and it's going to prepare me for what is up ahead, but we don't know what's up ahead. We don't know. And that's the truth. And I don't want to scare anyone this morning, but I want to let you know and encourage you to put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. And I'm not saying to not invest in your future for here on earth. I'm not saying that either. But we need to, we need to get our priorities straight in life. We need to get our priorities straight. If you're, if you're putting this much into your retirement for here on earth, amen, you need to be putting even more into your eternal future. And that's what I'm talking about. If Jesus came this very morning for his church, would you be ready? Would you be ready for your appointments? Or would you say, oh, you know what, God, give me some more time. I just need a few more minutes. I didn't know you were coming. <laughs> Come on, man, you caught me by surprise. I mean, you didn't really think that everyone was just going to be ready, right? Come on. And that's why God says, Jesus says these words in Luke chapter 12 and verse 35. He talks about these parables being ready for the Lord's coming. And Jesus says this in Luke 12, 35. He says, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. It says, then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. In verse 37, he says, the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. He says, I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He says, he may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. How many of, how many of us know when Jesus is coming back? Not one of us. You know what the Bible says? Not even the Son of God knows. Not even Jesus knows that time. He just knows that when his Father says it's time, then it is time. And those who are ready will go with Jesus. And those who thought they had extra time, we know so we need to understand the importance. Mark 13, 32 says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So he says, be on guard. Be alert. We teach, we teach our boys in Royal Rangers to be alert, to be ready for anything. 
ready to work, play, serve, obey, worship, live, etc. We teach these boys. We teach them, and, and, and it is instilled so much so, so much so that I can repeat it now, and I haven't been in Rangers for I don't know how many years now. Probably, not probably, over 20 years. But still, still, those, those mottos and those sayings stick with me. What does that tell you? That we don't forget that those things that you impart they will not forget. And so you keep teaching and you keep instilling and you keep pouring into the next generation's life. Why? Because you are leading them. God is using your life, believe it or not, to help them grow. It's a blessing. See, in this first parable, Jesus wants us to understand that we are to be watchful and ready at all times. In verse 35, Jesus says that we need to be dressed in readiness. The message version says this. It says, keep your shirts on and keep the lights on. Be ready. Be ready. Keep your, keep your clothes on because you don't know who's going to be knocking at that door. Be ready for action. See, in Jesus' days, they wore long outer garments, a robe. But when they, when they were going to do something, when they were going to work, uh, they would tuck in the bottom of that robe into their belt so that it wouldn't drag on the floor, wouldn't get dirty. It means they were ready. Let's get this done. Come on, let's do it. I'm ready for action. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do. So how do we stay ready? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked that this morning. How do we do it? Because maybe, you, maybe you've asked it before. How do I stay ready in life? You know, because I've heard this before, and I've, I've, I've you know, heard it countless times, and, you know, I've always heard that Jesus is coming back, and, you know, he was going to come back in the 70s and the 80s, and then the 90s, and then the double O's, double zeros, whatever you call that decade, then the 10s, and now the 20s. When's he coming back? Sometimes we think, well, I don't think he's going to come back during my time because I've been hearing this for so long now. And, you know, preachers have been saying this, you know, Jesus is coming back, you know, be ready. You know, he's, he's, he's coming to get his church. And we've been hearing year after year after year. And so what happens when people we become complacent? We get to a place where we think, oh, you know what, is this really going to happen? Am I actually going to see this? I think if we're honest about that question, a lot of us would maybe lean toward Jesus not coming back during our lifetime. But the fact of the matter is that you don't know. We don't know that time. How many of you think that you could, that you could, that you could take your last breath today? 
This could be it. The Bible says tomorrow is not promised. But how many of you are ready that when you take that last breath, amen, and, 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 and you, you go into eternity, amen, that you are going to give an account for your life to God, amen, and he is going to say, oh, welcome in, good and faithful servants. I'm so glad you are here. You were ready. See, but herein lies the problem is that why be alert to something that we don't think will happen? That's where many people find themselves. We just had an earthquake this Friday night. Any of you feel that? A little one. But how many of you were ready with excess food and water at your home if that was the big one? All right, maybe some. That's good. You were ready. How many of you took the opportunity after this little shaker to get ready for the next one with food and water? Then you're like me. My wife and I were sitting, were sitting eating in a restaurant, and, and, and you know, I, we were sitting in the booth, and I felt the booth shaking, so I turned around, you know, looking to think, you know, expecting to see kids behind me, because, you know, we got kids, we know how this works. And so uh, I was, you know, thinking I was going to see kids, you know, just running the muck behind us. There was no kids behind us. I'm thinking, who's shaking our booth? Happened to be an earthquake. When it was over, guess what we kept doing? Eating. Just like everyone else, we just kept going. <laughs> Nobody ran out of the restaurant. No one said, oh my gosh, this is the end. Oh no, oh no, we're all going to die. No one did that. No one said, oh, you know what? I need to go get water and food ready at my house. No one said that. See, if you don't think that something is going to happen, then you're not going to prepare for it. That's the way we operate. That's the way we work as human beings. If we don't expect it, then we're not going to prepare for it. So how do we stay ready in our lives? Well, let me give you a little pointer here uh, in staying ready. Uh, live for Jesus today. Live for Jesus today. And then you say, well, what about tomorrow? Okay, live for Jesus that day as well. And then when you face next Sunday, you live for Jesus that day. And then Monday, you live for Jesus that day. And it just keeps going and going and going. You make a decision to live for Jesus each and every day. And I guarantee you, you will stay ready. Why? Because your heart's going to be right. See, God looks at the heart, the Bible says. God doesn't look at the outer. God doesn't look at, oh, this person's a good speaker. He, he just convinced me that I should let him into heaven. That's not going to change what God does. He looks deeper than what everyone else sees. Everyone else, you know, may see a good talker. Everyone else may see a front. And God says, no, 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 no. I see right in that heart. I see what's going on. But you know what? God loves us. Oh, he loves us with an unconditional love. 
And this is what you need to be excited about because if it wasn't for his unconditional love, you and I wouldn't be here this morning. Because not one person in here loved God first. I guarantee it. I know it. I know it because none of you, none of you were alive when Jesus gave his life for you. (laughs) Obviously, no one was alive when he created the heavens and the earth. God loved us first. He gave us an opportunity to love him and to have a relationship with him. So the question is, are you ready? How do you stay ready? Like David cries out to the Lord, God created me a clean heart. Created me a clean heart, Lord. Lord, I know I'm not perfect. I know I make mistakes. God knows this too. But you cry out to God and say, God, create in me a clean heart. Purify my heart. Purify my thoughts, Lord. Help me to think of you. Help me to live for you today in my life. Lord, show me how to do that. Lord, I want to pursue you. So the time that Jesus is returning is unknown. It is unexpected. And if there is no expectation in our lives of him coming back, then there is going to be no preparation. We need to expect, expect God to send his son for his church. God, you are going to do it. Lord, whatever you say is truth. You are not a liar. You are not a liar. Everything you say comes to pass. Secondly, when the time comes, Jesus does not want us, does not want to find us unfaithful. Peter asked this question in verse 41 in Luke 12, and he says, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone? Jesus never really answers that question. Instead, he gives him a third parable. Luke 12, 42, he says, And the Lord replied, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of, his ma- of managing his other household servants and feeding them. What are you doing to feed those around you? Are you just, are you just hoarding? Are you just taking? Yeah, I like some of that. Some of that, some of oh, that, that's really good over here. I'll take two doses of that. And we just and we just take and take and take. But God says, no, you need to give. You need to start pouring into other people's lives. What are you doing to feed others? What are you doing to encourage those around you? What kind of words are you speaking over their lives? What kind of investment are you making? What kind of time are you giving? 
See, in this one, we find not only that we're expected, expecting the return at any time, and therefore we need to be ready and prepared for it, but Jesus in this third parable tells us that he wants to find us faithful when he arrives. What does that mean? Does that mean that you can use your baptismal certificate as a life insurance? God, look at what I have right here. I got baptized. It says it right here. Pastor even signed it. Can I get into heaven now? It's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. What did you do with my son? What did you do? Was it just mere words? You know, I don't, I know, I know that God doesn't want us to make any half-hearted vows to him. I mean, it'd be the same thing as making a half-hearted vow in a marriage. I'll be faithful to you four days out of the week. <laughs> the other three, I'm allowed to do whatever I want. Can you imagine that? That's ludicrous. That's insane. Who would say, who would agree to something like that? No one, no one wants a, a, a spouse who is going to be half-hearted to them in their commitment. Well, how do you think God feels? How do you think God feels when we say, God, I'm going to commit my life to you on Sundays and Wednesdays and prayer central days? But when I'm out of this building, I can do whatever I want. I should be allowed to do whatever I want. What kind of marriage relationship is that? It's not going to last. I'll tell you that right now. And so this is what God desires from us, to be committed. And just as I said, we commit ourselves to, to our spouses, who we're supposed to. We become one, the Bible says. And we say that, that I will stay faithful to you. If I paid my bills six months out of the year, am I being faithful? <laughs> Sounds nice. If I keep my commitments to my wife and my kids 75% of the time, am I being faithful to them? Anyone? Good, thank you. How about this one? Maybe hit a little more home for you. If the bank got eight out of ten deposits from your job correct for you, is that being faithful? That's right. You'd be like, no, no, no. Ten out of ten. That's it. Come on, man. Get it together. Get it together or I, or I take my money and put it elsewhere. Right? That's real. You expect 100% faithfulness when it comes to us. We expect it from others, but what are we giving? Are we giving 50%? Are we giving 75%? Wow. Woo. I'll take that quietness as you're just listening and you're, and you're actually self-evaluating like I am right now. Because that's real. We expect these things from others and, and even from God, but when it comes to us giving it, we don't do it. 
We don't follow through sometimes, but hey, God is here to help us this morning. That's why you're here. That's why you and I are here to get some help. Amen? God is so faithful. So God wants us to be ready. He wants us to be blessed. We see that in our faithfulness. We see that in obedience. We need to take God seriously because he is is sending his son to come back for his church. It's going to happen, church. I don't know when. I don't know if it's going to happen during your lifetime, during my lifetime. I don't know how many breaths I have left here on earth. I don't know. All I can do is be accountable for the time that God has given to me. And in those times in my life where, when, when, I, when I start to think, God, I'm accountable, Lord, one day I'm going to have to give account to you for the things that I've done. It really puts things into perspective. As our worship team comes forward this morning, God wants us to be committed to him, committed, to be ready, to be ready at all times. Have your heart ready. He wants you to live for Jesus today, today. And then, and then we, can, we can deal with tomorrow when it comes. But your focus is going to be to live for Jesus. I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I'm going to live for Jesus. God, and I know that you are going to help me. See, we need to focus on the things that we do know, not on the things that we don't know. Focus focus on the certainties in life and not the uncertainties. See, the certainty in your life is that God is faithful. The certainty is that God loves you. The certainty is that God has a plan for you. The certainty is that God sent his son for you. The certainty is that God has prepared a place for you. These are all certainties that when you commit your life to Christ and you ask for forgiveness, you are actually forgiven and born again. You get a new start. These are certainties. That if you trust in the Lord, you will never be disappointed. These are certainties. Don't focus on the uncertainties. And allow God to bring peace into your life as you focus on Him, as you live your life for Jesus. Amen. As every head is bowed, every eye closed.